Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Sarah Dietschy and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of That Creative Life. I have my friend John here from your own self-titled YouTube channel now. It feels good to say it. Yeah, and formerly Techno Buffalo. So let the audience know a little bit about yourself and the awesome tech videos that you make. Thank you. So I'm a I'm a geek, and I, I do geek nerd things uh, now professionally. Um, I used to run a website called Techno Buffalo that no longer is uh, a thing that I run. So now I just get to focus on, on what I love, which is making tech videos and hanging out with fun new people. I love it. And you're based in LA, right? Yeah. So we're SoCal based. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool tech that I want to get into and actually talk about. But um, first, I kind of want to talk about your journey of making videos for 10 years. Yeah, it's been Almost, a long time. Yeah, I'm 10 old. years. And then also making a website because um, Techno Buffalo has always been tech news very mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm sure you try to cover like everything or is it strictly phones is it strictly computers we like- tried at some point to cover almost everything that touched that touched technology right um so back this is back when youtube was like cat videos and you know guys getting hit in the junk um i wanted to buy a new laptop and i didn't like i didn't know how to use it. i was getting a mac at the time i was coming from pc and i was looking at youtube for how to use it and i didn't like i had no idea how to use it so um I kind of liked researching technology. I was the kind of guy that would just go to Best Buy and like walk around to relax on a Tuesday. So I figured like I'm gonna like I'll make videos. Why not? It's an excuse to research a camera. Um, had no foresight. It's why my YouTube channel name was John Four Lakers. It was my AIM screen name. Yes, I, mine was uh, Chick Twenty Two Sarah. Yeah, like <laughs> clearly no foresight that anything was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then just started making videos as a hobby, and they kind of caught on quickly. Mostly not because I was doing anything well, just because nobody else was really doing it yet. Um, and then the YouTube partner program started maybe about eight months later and that was, it was invitation only and you had to apply. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I found the guy's name who was running the partner program and I wrote him a handwritten two page letter. I was like, you know what? Like I'm too, I had 8,000 subscribers. I'm like, I'm too small to get accepted. I didn't wow. meet the thresholds. I was like, I'm going to try what something. What were the thresholds at that time? I believe it was 12,000 subscribers. Wow, it was old subscriber so base. I was close. Okay. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to write him a handwritten letter. So I wrote a letter. Um, the last handwritten letter I've ever written, by the way. Um, and I got one back. Essentially, it was like, okay, we're going to accept you. Please never write me again. Wow. And um, I, was a mar- I was working in marketing. My, my whole family is, is medical and physicians. And I never knew what I wanted to do for a living. But I knew what I didn't want to do. So I was working in a job like I hated. Mm-hmm. So like, we're hoping. Were you basically like, I don't want to be a doctor? I was 100%. I, yeah. I don't want to go into medicine, but I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. The only talent I've ever had in life, I think I've ever even been okay at was talking. I'm like, well, I guess I'll be a lawyer. Um, so I worked in a law firm and hated it. And I was working for marketing at the time, hoping that I'd get in like a small car accident so I wouldn't have to go. Mm-hmm. And then like very quickly, I was at like income parity with mm-hmm. like making videos and going to a job that I hated for 50 hours a week. This is probably like 2006, and so. What was marketing back then? 2006, selling banner ads. I, I mean, it wasn't even. I'm talking like old school marketing. It okay. was like print and like gotcha. sending Campaigns out, yeah, and like mailers. Yeah, the new marketing was just kind of starting. Yeah. Um, and so I'll like I always remember sitting with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and be like, "Listen, this is 2009 now. The economy is horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving my job." <laughs> 
<laughs> I have a job, sure. but I'm leaving yeah. it. And I'm going to make videos for a living on YouTube. It was like what a, was her reaction? I mean, that's, that's what I knew I wanted to marry her. And she was like, I believe in you. Try oh. it. What was terrifying was trying to tell her mom. Like super conservative. Mm-hmm. My daughter is going to be homeless and hungry <laughs> for her whole life. Um, that is so funny. Uh, so I, I, I did, um, and that was a scary. That was the scariest moment yeah. of my entire. My so entire when life. when you entered the partner program at eight thousand subscribers, I mean the first few months, what what were the paychecks like? Fifty bucks here, hundred bucks there. It's, so it's crazy <laughs> to look at like you know what like CPMs are now. Yeah. I'm, but that back then, I think the first check was like twelve hundred dollars, oh, which was okay. It was insane. I mean, I was like. I was like, this could be real money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. And started making like two videos a day. And I was like, this is this is awesome. Wow, two videos a day. I mean, but this is back then. It was like a handy cam yeah. with like the built-in mic. Yeah. Um, I think I was editing an iMovie. <laughs> I mean, it was real <laughs> old school days. Um, and so it, it kind of like kind of grew. And I did it like that for a while. And I started looking at like tech websites you know, the big ones at the time, you know, Engadget, Gizmodo, and, and CNET, and no one was doing video. So I thought, like, I would like to get married one day. Maybe I could make a little more money if I could do video for somebody else, like for a website, so they don't have to worry about it. So I wrote letters, not handwritten, uh, That's good. <laughs> to, like, all the big websites to be like, hey, can I make video for you? And nobody got back to me. Wow. Um, this is like I was mid-20s very full of myself and a liberal arts major from college. I had no business experience at all. I was qualified for nothing in life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a business and I'm going to start a publishing business because I know zero about it. Um, so I Googled how to write a business plan, uh, filled in the blanks. And um, at a local college, they were doing a fast pitch for venture capital. So I was like, I'm going to take my new business plan. I'm going to go pitch it to real investors um, on a topic that they probably don't understand. Um, and I got laughed at. Like, have you ever done any of the VC stuff or I been involved? It's terrifying. I bet. I bet so. Well, I'm such a consumer of um, podcasts about startups and all that. And I love to be an outsider looking in, but it it would terrify me too. I, I was, I think I was too naive at the time to be scared. I, yeah. was, I was like, I'm going to crush and, this. And I, like, I love the creative side of stuff. So if I would have to sit and write a business plan for days, I don't even know if I'd get past that part. <laughs> I mean, it was like paint by numbers. It was like just feeling yeah, like, yeah. what is your idea? So what was that experience like? So, I mean, how many people were there from the college? So there were five VCs like sitting on a table and it was kind of like Shark Tank. You had like oh, three minutes. Yeah, like three minutes to pitch. And I pitched and they laughed at me. Like Sarah, they like, like, oh la- like guttural from the pit of their stomach, like laughed. And I don't know if it's because they didn't understand like video and it was a paradigm change or what they were like, was this? I want to say 2008, hmm. probably. So, like, okay. internet was coming on. Like, YouTube was right. starting to be more established. But, like, it was just one like, of those things where you were probably a little bit too early, but yeah. at the same time. And also, I'm sure my business plan was horrible. <laughs> uh, so, I, there was one guy that laughed, like, extra hard. And, um, so, I tried to swallow. Like, I was, I was, like, I was pretty upset. Yeah. Um, so, I, I waited for the guy afterwards, and I was, like, wanted to know, like, so I'm not trying to attack you or anything, but, like, how can I not have you laugh next time? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have any money to start a business myself. And he said, either get older or go back to business school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to, I applied to business school at night. 
So I went to UCI to um, get an MBA to learn how to run a business. Cause I really, I know, like, no, yeah. no idea and, how to run a business. And back then, you didn't have YouTube channels that were like, this is how to form a business. Step there, one, two, three. Yeah, there, were, there, was, there was nothing. <laughs> yeah. you know, and business school then was like, here's how you like create a product. Like, you have your mm-hmm. supply chain. I'm like, raising my hand. I'm like, what if you're online? And they're yeah. like, you know, it's like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> have fun. Um, so I went back to school and wrote a business plan and again, and was able to get it funded and then sort of techno buffalo. Mm-hmm. Wow. From that. Was that kind of uh, the same vibe? Did you go in front of VCs and no, was I, it the pitch I thing? I never did or? that again. Because that takes a lot. I, to this day, I've never gone yeah. back to pitch. Yeah. To so it was more of like maybe friends of friends, you know. Yes, yeah, so I, I bootstrapped and then um, like a private equity guy just reached out one day. Nice. and was like, hey, I like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I have some, some bucks. Could we maybe work together? Yeah. Um, and so it, it worked and trying to run a website with no publishing experience is hard. And then when you're independent competing against CBS, AOL and Vox dollars right, is like extra yeah. hard. And so how did you incorporate video in those beginning days? Would it be an entire article video linked at the top and then the article provided more context or so what, that's what kind of that how it like? was. So the video is always centric to it. Um, but obviously you can write more articles and you can create videos. Yeah. So the videos We'd write articles that would go with the video. So if it was like whatever, the iPhone 4 review, you know, mm-hmm. to have the video there and then a little bit of content. Um, but, and I should have realized it early on, I was doing too much. I was trying to run a website and doing video and I wasn't really doing anything well. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just like kept doing things mediocre for a right. long time, which really hurt in the long term. Hmm. So what do you think? Do you, cause you know, no regrets. Techno Buffalo yeah. made you yeah. who you are. Um, but in terms of written word, blogging, um, having a website, do you think that there's value in that to people today? For people who want to start a website? Yeah. There's absolutely value in it, but you have... I didn't realize... Like with all the social medias, right? And yeah. play, like, do you think it's more worth it to maybe just write a medium blog post instead of pushing people directly to a site? It's less worth it now, I think, mm-hmm. than it was. I mean, I had to learn how online advertising works. I had right. to learn developing and publishing tools and SEO, all things I had no idea. Right. If you just want people to see your content and it's not like a financial endeavor, medium, social... And there's a lot of other ways to get your voice out there much more easily um, than the unnecessary path that kind of I went down. Um, And I love Techno Buffalo. I I wouldn't change how anything happened. Um, Just a lot of work. It was was a lot. It was like a lot of work. And then as I was being like spread thin, it was when sort of kind of the golden age of tech happened. We started seeing like guys like Marquez and, you know, John Morrison from TLD, like Mm -hmm. artists creating this like visually beautiful work. And I was not doing that um and so it hurt growth for a while mm-hmm. when was the point that you started prioritizing video i mean i know you know when you made the announcement in january um already things are beautiful amazing Thank you. your videos have always been amazing but you can definitely tell there's there's been a shift did you have earlier uh, kind of like aha moments of mm, guys, maybe we need to step this up or maybe we need to do X, Y, Z. Like was, do you remember having kind of a shift away from the website earlier or? Yeah. Um, 
maybe like early 2018, I started to realize like I, nothing that I was doing was sustainable. Right. And something had to give. I had to pick. I had to pick one path. Right. Um, and I always love video. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I, I've had a passion for it. I, I love being a part of it. Um, and so it was a very conscious decision that something was going to have to change. Right. Um, but it's I, so tempting to do everything. I can totally relate to that. And I like, feel like I can do it all. Exactly. And I feel like that's an important thing for people starting out as well to not try to do it all. I mean, it does go a long way to be really good at one thing. And then always down the line, you can change things up, have your content in different places. Um, but I think in the beginning, too, it might be worth it to dabble, dabble in stuff so you know uh, what's best for you. Um, but in the beginning of the, uh, I don't want to call it a blog, it was a website, it was a publication, monetization. Did you, yeah, so like banner ads, was that the main, the main partnerships you would have or would you have more involved or maybe you would write like a sponsored post? So we, we tracked it all. Having no publishing background, I didn't know what was acceptable, appropriate. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there are these journalistic standards that like we had to. Ooh, what are the journalistic to. standards? All right, so. Tell so me. A year into what we were doing, I got sued. What? Oh, here's a, here's a story. Okay. Okay. So, Droid Bionic. Verizon had this phone that was coming out a long time ago. It was like a... Droid Bionic. Bi- cool name. What a name. Cool name, silly phone. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was like day of like leaks. We're like, if you had an exclusive, it was huge traffic. Right. So, somebody who worked in a printing house that was making the clatter material that was going to be inside of the box. I think like their son was with them at work one day. And saw these printing materials. It was unannounced phone. Took a bunch of pictures. It was awesome because it was, it was the specs. It was everything about this and sent it to us and i was like this is a gold mine thank you um so we obviously published it um you know and didn't... you guys had the exclusive exclusive so, yeah anonymous source and then the printing house sued us now I, I i had no experience with lawsuits um i could they decided to serve me at my house with a uniformed officer on a sunday i mean so like i it was terrifying, oh my terrifying, terrifying. I, I mean, my wife answered the door. It was really scary. <sighs> um, and then Motorola got involved. Motorola was back in the printing house before you know Motorola wow. sold. Um, and so I didn't. I, mean, I didn't have. I had. I was living month month to month. Right. I didn't have a lot of money to fight a lawsuit. Um, so I'd make a decision like, do we just like give up the source and? somebody's going to jail or someone's getting fired. It's that serious? Like, I, you'll go to jail? That's what I, I was like. Who, like, Yeah. So, like, his, his dad had signed confidentiality agreements. Right. And so people would have been fired. So I, um, the printing house was in Chicago, I should mention. Um, so I contacted a lawyer and decided to fight it. Yeah. Just, I'm just gonna, I was going to try. Um, so... We fought it, and then the more we went on, the more we realized that if we had lost a lawsuit, it would have been precedent for websites to have to reveal sources and more lawsuits. So I, I fought this for almost a year, and this was a time where I, it was probably the scariest time I've ever had because I didn't I I had employees, so I was paying them, but I didn't pay myself for five months. I was living on living on credit cards, um, and the 
our website was like, be sleuthy, stealthy ninjas and send us leaks. And so their attorneys were like, this is not a real website. It's not a real public, like hmm. they shouldn't be entitled to journalistic shield laws. And, um, Interesting. so we had to essentially say like, we are like, we are media, we're journalists. So we were, it boiled down to, we essentially were like paying the tolls, but we couldn't drive on the roads. So the verdict came in and we lost. The judge ruled against us that we did not qualify as media. So that by default would have spread to other websites not hmm. being... So that's not good for other would people. Would have been super bad. Um, so we essentially filed a, an appeal. It was a motion for reconsideration. And the judge reversed the decision, which oh, was awesome. There you go. I still have, I have a framed, from, oh my I have a framed article in our office from the Chicago <laughs> Tribune that was the talking about it. the biggest sigh of relief. It was the most amazing sigh of relief. And then... And I, I countersued the owner of the, it just got way out of hand. I countersued yeah. him and had an officer. It was, it got crazy. <laughs> had an officer was, sent to his yeah. house. It seems like most of my stories start with like, <laughs> I was young and stupid. So I did this to show him. Um, so all things like that. I'm yeah. like, I, this is website had been around for a year. It wasn't making any money. Yeah. Um, I had to adhere to these new standards that I wasn't aware of. Right. So, so what qualifies you as a publication? So it was never like black and white, but like that, that lawsuit essentially declared like legally that anybody who's disseminating information and adhering to standards for sources and citing, um, you know, properly citing where you're getting your information from is covered by state and federal shield laws. Interesting. So that was new. So that would be, if you did everything right, you would basically expose this little kid who then would be responsible for that, and then they would just take actions against him, and you and, would have been in the clear. And his, so if I had given up the source, I would have said who the, the kid's name was. His father would have been terminated and possibly arrested. Wow. Um, so it was, like, super scary. Like, real And then that like kind of stakes. ruins the, oh, send us stuff, because yeah. then you don't want to be held responsible, like, and... So you were really kind of trailblazing it. You were, I mean... Scary. It's Techno Buffalo versus John Burns. So like you can look up the case. Um, or John's Burns. It was like a horrible experience. Wow. And I can only imagine the stress just infiltrating everything in your life. I'm just stressed about getting two videos up a week. I can't imagine someone suing me at the same time. <laughs> I was also trying to make videos too while this is going yeah. on. And since when like things started to like go, go down, I developed insomnia. It was like a real scary... People only see one side of the camera, right? So like 100%. people see your videos or hear your podcast and they're like, she's, she's got it all. Like mm -hmm. she's successful. Look what she's built. But no one knows the work. That, Definitely not stressed at all. Yeah. Ever. But like what, what you had to do to get to where you are right. and the work that goes into putting up one video, let alone right. two every single week. Right. And that's why I think, um, video is so valuable and, Luckily, I've been having some really cool conversations with people who aren't necessarily even YouTubers, but people who, you know, who've opened up video production studios. It is so valuable. And I think that you've seen from shifting from the website to YouTube um, with brand partnerships, with ways to monetize money is in video. It just yeah. is. And I think it is because it's harder. It takes more effort. It takes gear. It takes, luckily, a lot of knowledge is out there. A lot of tutorials are out yeah. there. Um, but there is kind of this barrier of um, entry that maybe writing, you can just write. 
or pictures you can yeah. just take a picture um and so there is a lot of value in it i'm glad you got through that goodness gracious I, i'm surprised you you continued the website after that it was hard i mean honestly i <laughs> i continued because people were you know relied on their livelihood for the website right like, well, right if I, if I close it down then people are gonna be out did of, you out get jobs. bumps in traffic i mean yeah, after it, that because like were people interested in the suit were you able to share about it or you know i was able to talk about it a year later okay so i finally did and it got i mean the traffic was was okay you know it had normal like undulations up and down um but yeah you know traffic traffic definitely like increased right. from there you know but it got to the point where i was working like crazy and i was you know what the site was making I could make from like two videos, two sponsored videos. I was like, well, why, why am I, like, why am I doing this? This like, I'm an insane person. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the, um, you know, the website now is sold to, what was mobile, mobile Nations. Mobile Nations. And so are they, I was looking them up, are they like an MCN or just like a conglomerate so they're, of things? So they own a bunch of websites. Okay. Um, and then they just sold for like, like a quarter of a billion dollars, like an insane, oh, insane so amount they of money. Sold. So, yeah, Who so did they, they sell to? I thought they were the big Kahuna. I mean, they got they got swallowed by a bigger fish. Okay. Uh, Fortune. Um, oh, them. casual. Yeah. No okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What was the order of things? Did Fortune buy them up, and then they did they, they have capital, and they're like, "Oh, let's buy some more things." They bought us first. So I had, okay. I had known them. I'd read their websites for yeah. a while. I thought it seemed. I wanted everybody who was working for Techno Buffalo to if possible, to keep their yeah. jobs. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to find a publishing a, a publisher that already needed writers and needed staff so that way they right. could keep everybody with them. Um, and I'd known the guys there for a while, so you know, I reached out, and the deal came together within eight weeks. Oh, wow. I mean, it was from first Amazing. conversation to contracts was was done. They were, yeah. they were honest. They did what they said they were going to do. Um, and they made it really like a very simple process. Amazing. And so now is... Are you finding a new joy in videos now? Yes. Like, tell me about this new Making start. Making video is amazing. Yes. The best thing I ever did. New in year, new you. The best thing I ever did in video is hire people much more talented than mm. me to make like this see-through skin tone look more uh, <laughs> I think look, we're, look human. I think I might. Yeah, I'm definitely wider than you. Um, but that's not a hard. I mean, you know, color correcting like us <laughs> is not easy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like Matt, who's sitting here, is incredibly... Shout out to Matt. Shout out to Matt. Um, you know, really talented. <laughs> I found people that had a passion for mm -hmm. video that could take things farther than I ever could. And now right. that we're, we're all on tether, we can like, we can do what we want. Mm -hmm. And so that's been awesome. Yeah, I feel like I'm free. I mean, I, I wake up every day excited. <laughs> we can try stuff. We're not, I'm not yeah. spending five hours a day in like advertiser meetings mm -hmm. and worrying about SEO yeah, anymore. That's, that's exciting. And do you think with uh, the... Because you had obviously a lot of momentum and you when at what point did you hit a million subscribers? Was it a couple of years ago? I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And this has been your job for how, so how long did it take you to like get to the monetization with techno and the yeah, YouTube so channel? I, I quit my job in 2000 and my last real job in 2007. Okay. So you so for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And with the like, brand partnerships and all of that stuff has it been smooth are you like looking forward to do bigger projects i know jonathan and austin have you know like uh, their own like production as well um what are your hopes and dreams now you know so i i just want to be around creative people we're actually yeah. working out of jonathan's studio right now oh cool like i that's that's just, those are creative a group that's as, such as a there cool gets. setup it's an there. awesome space i'm like we just took the loft upstairs yeah. and so now we're, we're filming there. So 
I, I don't, the entrepreneur in me is like, I'm going to start a new studio. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I want to like punch myself. Um, <laughs> like, don't, don't do it again. Just make videos. That's Stop amazing. it. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Your brain instantly just goes like, how can I make this as big as possible? Well, and so it's do the same. I feel like 100%. We're all, 100%. Wi- we're all wired weird. Yeah. But, and I mean, this is what I've been trying to get at with everyone too, is like, I'm, really working on delegation and as a person who has always been a kind of like a creative first but very into like I read the books I watch Gary Vee all the time like I'm obsessed with the business world um but I've always hit the wall of oh delegation is difficult what do you mean I have to like explain something to someone shouldn't they just know how to be me right and so that's something I've been working on lately so from the get-go it sounds like you were able to find good people work on the website work on video so has that always been kind of a skill I mean I don't know if it's a skill but hiring people that are just much better than me at right. like big holes in my knowledge um has been really helpful and I, I know that I wouldn't have done anything if it wasn't for people that worked like that were just better than me at right. a lot of things um, I think I just got lucky. Yeah. I mean, I think I just like was just in the right place, right time, and people were in the right place yeah. at the right time. How so. many employees do you have at Techno? So we, at our peak, we had 15, and that was probably a problem. Wow. That was probably a problem too. We got this private equity money. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna grow huge. Right, right, right. I need an office, and I need a staff, <laughs> yeah. and I, I need all these things, and like I didn't. Yeah. Need any of it. But what was the structure when you brought brought on those people? Like how many people did you have creative or their sales? And then did people have managers or did everyone answer to you? So having no business experience, I was like, well, this this is just how a business is run. Like here's an org chart because that's what businesses have, right? Right. So we brought on editor in chief and then we had managing editors and then editors that worked under them and then specific editors. And then it all ultimately filtered through me so then I became a bottleneck yeah. and so I was hurting the website and also trying to make videos and I couldn't do as many videos or the quality that I wanted so I was hurting the, the video what was side. your time split in between like managing and then creating at, at the beginning it was probably 50 50 okay. up until a couple of years ago I was probably spending 60 to 70 percent of my time like managing stuff mm-hmm. and 30 percent like making videos you know how it goes when you're when you're don't have the time to commit like mm-hmm. You can tell in mm-hmm. the final product. Yeah. I've just stopped answering emails. Yeah. I was like, sorry. <laughs> I gave my manager my login and I'm just like, like I'm just going to go make some videos and do some podcasts yeah. and I'll get back to my email in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> like, I won't reply to you anymore because of who I am as a person. Like, I'm it's sorry for that. that. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, like, but you're growing and running is huge. Well, in, well, Jonah over there, he's my first employee, which is exciting. Congratulations. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's been a fun process. And, so how long, how long um, have you been here? A month? Or you've been on payroll for like two weeks? Yeah. Three weeks? Still, yeah, figuring st- out that. still here? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think we're maybe uh, doing something, right? Um, but yeah, it's so intimidating too. And uh, especially when you're somewhere in New York, and I'm sure California is very the same, you know, um, there's taxes on everything and like, oh, what is payroll and figuring all that out? And oh, it's, like, no, it's terrifying. No one tells you how to like run payroll I or know, do taxes. I know. So I guess it's just something that... Um, just like you, it's finding good people around you and like letting go. I mean, that was terrifying, especially in the beginning, the thought of having a manager alone and giving them that responsibility. I was like, 
now I got it. I got it. So it took me a year of like courting a manager to actually like get one um, and then hiring people out. And what I've discovered is uh, I, I could never commit. So I was just uh, getting a lot of freelancers to help me. Yeah. Because it gets to a point where you can't do it all. No. Right? It's, it's just way overwhelming. But with the speed of YouTube, you might need an editor tomorrow, but they're already booked up. Yeah. Right? So it was it kind of got to the point where it was scary, but I didn't have any other options because I'm like, yeah. I need someone every single day. So is editing the biggest thing you're delegating out? Um, filming and editing just pieces of that. So I actually really love editing. Um, I could, the fun part about filming, I guess, is being a personality and like having fun and then yeah. seeing that in the final product. I love gear. So that's an interesting part of filming, but a lot of times I find myself like dreading the filming, but it's always exciting for me to sit down and edit. Not when I have a bajillion projects. So for me, it's... Do you, do you see the final product in your head while you're filming? Like as an editor? Kind of, yes. Yeah. Uh, in the in the beginning, I kind of started with like uh, travel stuff. And um, I just saw... I would just go and capture anything and everything. And I thought editing was the coolest thing because I really enjoyed making the story after the fact and seeing... You know, I felt like a, like a crazy person. It was just... It gave me so much like happiness so it's kind of getting back to that where okay does sarah really need to edit a what's on my iphone video no like yeah. hopefully my personality can shine through and i can find someone who's you know more talented maybe they'll like find some fun memes in there that i wouldn't yeah. um but how do i get back to really enjoying editing again so i can like pick and choose what I want to edit. So you're picking the projects that you're editing? Yeah. So that's where I want to get to. So it is still very hands-on. Um, but it's it's been cool to now kind of juggle other stuff. Um, and getting seven to eight hours sleep now. Look at you. I mean, come that's at impressive. me, guys. Right? You know, the, the occasional CES or, you know, conference thing of course i'll get no sleep for there but that's what you prep for that's why you get seven to eight hours sleep for for those events right have you did you go to nab or any of the recent ones so didn't go to nab this year okay um, you're do you what are you feeling right now mobile laptops computers i mean things are changing it's yeah. like a cool time so yeah i think what today you were at samsung yeah um Got i was there the yesterday folds. with the galaxy fold if you're watching oh <gasps> durability test <laughs> All right, so that's the durability test of oh, the no. Samsung Fold. If you're watching do. the video version at youtube.com slash hit the join button. Now you, you need to go watch the video see, to see how this survived. You can see the video version. It survived. I don't think we have any dents, but the Fold is one of those first things that um, you feel like you're in the beginning of something really new. Yes. I think it's... The phones have been kind of lackluster for me. I mean, this past year, it's gotten to the point where I'll cover the iPhones, I'll cover the Note, but everything around it, you know, OnePlus will reach out to me. And I'm like, guys, I'm tired. Your phone looks sick, but I just, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start out with a Samsung Fold. Okay. I want to talk about the overall, what does this mean for phones in general? But what are your initial thoughts? It's a folding phone. That's cool. I know. And you have the green one. It's yeah. so pretty. So Can you just show off the green here? We'll, right. we'll go here. So if you're listening, go watch the video. Yes. So you can see, what is this? I think it's Martian green, this one's called. I love the gold. Oh, Bigsby. Be quiet, Bigsby. Yeah. I love the golds. See, I'm, I'm digging the blue. I think I do a little swap action. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's foldable phones. Like, 
imagine the phones that have been in your pocket for the past like seven or eight years, right? They've been like versions of the rectangle. Mm-hmm. They've been like slightly faster, better looking rectangles, right? Mm-hmm. Just little upgrades here and there. Yeah. A few more be- megapixels Let's, in the cameras. A few I, more cameras. Mm-hmm. So many cameras. So but now you've got something that's entirely new form factor. And like, obviously it's a Gen 1. You can see how it's going to get better for Gen 2. Yeah, there's a crease. The bezels are ridiculous on the front. But like, it's a foldable phone. I'm like, just realize that. Mm-hmm. Um... And I, so I went to the Apple store yesterday and held it up next to the, I don't know why it still exists, iPad mini. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's pretty much having like an iPad mini that you can fit in, in your pocket or your purse. And it's always with you. Like, that's cool, right? It's crazy. And I can't, just looking at it, I cannot, wow, the magnets, they're sticking to the table. What? That's insane. <laughs> oh, that's neat. That's so wild. Um, Seeing the the space in between i cannot wait when that is just non-existent and everything is screen to where i feel like we're going to be living in this like movie future that we've seen where just this entire front is screen everything screen maybe this is a screen um and then you just have no no space in between i see it i see it's not gen three four i feel like we're gonna everyone's gonna be having a version of this do you do you care about the crease in the middle because people are like super up in arms about it i really don't i mean i was watching full-on youtube videos with it okay i will say the only annoying thing is and i i understand the magnets have a purpose and the that's such satisfying noise, but I feel like I'm going to drop this thing when you when open I, it. When right? I open it, it's really hard to open. It's hard to open, yeah. and I will definitely drop it again. We had the first exclusive <laughs> drop test here on the podcast, um, but the crease really doesn't bother me that much. And then watching YouTube videos, uh, you know, I just watch Casey's video on it, and it's a really good point. Of you know, you go to the gym, you want to watch Netflix on a bigger screen, you just open up your phone, and it really it, the crease does not get in the way. Um, but what do you think this means for phones? Do you think Apple's gonna dabble? What are they gonna do? What is Apple gonna do? What's their response? What's Apple gonna? So Apple, I mean, obviously, is does a lot of revolutionary products, but Apple is super reactionary, and they're like, let's just wait, like let's see how things happen. Yeah, five G phones are coming out, but like let's ship one in two years. Um, and see, so if there's anything un-Apple like, it would be a foldable phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see them doing anything like this for like five years. Yeah. I mean, I see, I would love a, and I feel like we're getting close to this. I would love just a fully, and I don't know if it's practical, but a fully bezel-less iPad. Like I'm so ready for the future of just like glass screens. Yeah. I don't know how practical that is, but you watch all the movies. You're like, I want that. Yeah. I mean, iPad Pro is awesome. Yeah. Do you like use the iPad so Pro I love, regular? I love my iPad Pro. The only knock on the iPad Pro is iOS. It's, it's a phone OS yeah. on a giant powerful screen. Yeah. So what do you see in the future, the next few years of Apple? Because I have my own thoughts on their, uh, their creative, for their creative professionals. I feel like we're being left behind, to be honest. Yes. Um, but in terms of iPhone, I mean, they got me, you know. They have me for the foreseeable future, but creative professionals, what can we expect from them? Okay. So I just, so I want to back up one sec. Yes. Though. So like talking about the fold though, like that's something new that you can't get anywhere else, right? So if you're an iPhone user and you want something different, like that's something new. Yeah. So for creative professionals, Apple like promises a lot of stuff. Like remember almost two years ago, like new Mac Pro, it's coming. It's going to be modular and you're going to love it and you're going to be able to add you want more RAM, you want a better video card, like we got you. And then... 
which almost seems laughable from Apple. That's something that's always on our wish list. Yeah. But to really see that, I mean, that would be interesting. And you did a video actually of talking about it and kind of, um, you know, having a yeah. version of it. Could it look like this? That was fun to make. Yeah, that was so really we cool. we imagined what it would look like. Yeah. Do you think it's, I mean, when? I think. What? Between now and never. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think a modular, modularity is n- never going to work. Really? I don't think so. Why do you not think so? So first price and then connectivity. If you take like a motherboard and you plug in a graphics card, you're plugging directly into the motherboard. If you're adding like magnetic modules, like that's got to connect through something. And then imagine the price, like the Apple, the Apple tax associated with that. Yeah. Seems insane. And Apple was trying to flex super hard with like the trash can Mac Pro. They're like, look what we can do. We can innovate and it's awesome. And the thermals are horrible and we use small video cards. But sorry about that. Do you think in some places in tech, like innovation is just not needed? Yes. Is that one of those spots? I mean, I, like I, I feel, tower PC, like that vibe. I feel bad for saying that, but like, yes. Mm. I mean, I think an Apple's trying to over Apple things. You end up with like the cube and the trash can. Um, and it's cool and it looks awesome, but for somebody like you who lives and breathes on their computer, I mean, you went away from Apple. So what were the, why, Rip. why did you go away from Apple and being an Apple person using an iPhone? Such an Apple person, right? Um, so initially I was having a lot of issues with my 2016 MacBook Pro touch bar. So I got the version. It wasn't the very first version, but it was when they updated it to the KB Lake, mm-hmm. um, processor. And I was so used to just having no reliability issues. Uh, the, the one before that was a 2012 MacBook Pro. 2012 through 2015, the golden age. Yeah. I mean, those yeah, ports. ports, those laptops were so, I mean, you could drop it, you'd be fine. They were so not delicate and they were still pretty thin in regards to the time. And oh, just entering an SD card into that laptop. What? Good times, right? And the display was nice. And so I kind of went into buying this new 2016 MacBook expecting the same things from it. And the touch bar, the most useless thing ever. The most useless thing ever. I mean, what? Just keep the touch ID. That's basically all that we need, right? Um, And the... I still to this day, I know people are like, USB is the future and Thunderbolt 3, amazing, great, love it. We don't need four. We could we could go with maybe two or three, put a USB-A, put an SD card slot on the side. Um, and so connectivity was such a huge thing. When I travel, I need to be able to be as mobile as possible. I cannot have all of these dongles hanging off from everywhere in my little you know, airplane seat, you know, you luckily for, you forget, you forget the dongle to attach. You're screwed. Card. You cannot do your job. I can't tell you how many times I've had to like run to a Best Buy or run somewhere to just buy another adapter or buy a dongle. And so it really started with that. And then as I was testing out PC laptops, um, you know, my keys would become sticky. I got the sticky key thing on my MacBook. And so it was just really a frustration. And Premiere is shit on MacBooks for some reason. It is really bad. And I think, again, I don't think it's all Apple's fault, but Apple does Apple programs really well on Apple, but that's it. 
the moment you start bringing in other programs, I think that's when you start having issues. Um, I'm sure half of it is Premiere being buggy as hell. I mean, it really is a buggy program. But the moment I started editing on a PC, a Windows laptop, on my desktop, just not the same problems. And so it took me a while to figure out what Windows laptop, because yeah. I mean, you used the Surface Book for a while, right? Yeah. I, I mean, what, what, what was your experience with that? So I mean, the same thing. Premiere was premiering on it yeah but i really liked switching i hadn't looked at a windows laptop in years i mean they've gotten so much better they've gotten windows 10 has gotten really good mm -hmm. and exceeds what you get for mac os in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um so i mean i i, I get i absolutely you have so many more choices yeah. i mean you've got the xps that you love you've got the surface line razor you can pick yeah um so apple i think is losing yeah I'm like, that. I can't wait to see their laptops in five years. They're going to be amazing, right? They have to. They have to be a response because hopefully. I mean, what are they... <laughs> or are we going to all be on iPad Pros by that time? I mean, so could you? Okay, so we got a video next week. It's like all about yes. the iPad. It's like, here's what the iPad needs. It is so powerful, the iPad Pro, but it's running a phone operating system. Like, why is there like an inch of space in between icons? Like, that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. How, how do they solve that? I mean, what is the perfect fusion? So I'm thinking, and it seems even weird to say out loud, but the OS needs to be almost forked. It needs to be Pad OS, iPad OS. The, the iPad does more than a phone. Mm -hmm. So being able to have more customization options, more power usability is huge. I mean, if you try to like use a dongle and plug an SD card and iPad Pro, like you can't access the files. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can't... What's the work through? The really, like, the maybe really, an app? Like, I guess, does SanDisk have an app or I mean, something? I like, sometimes you can third-party it, but, like, you, know, you want to plug in a Samsung T5 and access your files, like, you can't do that, hmm. which is weird on something that's that powerful. Um, so there needs, there needs to be better file management. It just needs to do more. Mm -hmm. um, better use for multitasking. And it just, it's still running a phone like operating system right which is really holding it back but what it does do for media consumption is incredible mm -hmm. and i guess we've seen with apps like luma fusion it's incredible poor, poor adobe they were so they're pushing the adobe rush oh, so they're hard trying. they're trying so hard but then luma fusion comes out and it's, it's like so good. psych <laughs> it was you know? so good it's like yeah. john morrison edited like yeah. A video that I would have never in a million years imagined mm -hmm. was edited on an ipad pro mm -hmm. i i still need the setup. I don't think I'll be ever editing on an iPad, um, but it's really cool to see also um, what that means for who's getting into editing. Yeah. And I think the barrier for entry is shrinking every single day, which is so exciting. Um, do you see, in terms of prices and oh, yeah. people, it's like, it's crazy because I feel like we get in this bubble where it's our job, right? So something that's $2,000, $3,000, it seems rational in our heads. Mm -hmm. But really the average consumer, what do you think is most important to them at this time? Like, is the iPad Pro worth that $1,000 no. price tag? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, whatever people want to do with it, you still have to change what you want to do to suit what the iPad can give you. I think when you can do whatever you want and the iPad will change how it performs like you can with a PC, that's when it'll become more worth it. If that makes if that analogy yeah. makes sense. You know, you want to edit on an iPad Pro, you have to edit a certain way. You want right. to edit documents, you got to edit a certain way. 
So I, I don't think it's it's worth the price f- for someone who's not like in the industry or doing right. what we do. Um, there are other options. You have you got the lower priced iPad Airs now, even iPad Minis. If you want to get a tablet, there are mm-hmm. much better options. Do you think this weird blurry line is going to get blurrier, or are we going to start? Th- seeing people getting bored with phones or tablets because with reviewing all these pc laptops recently windows laptops i don't know people get sarah pc is personal computer (laughs) technically everything's a pc windows laptops you're seeing these two-in-ones you're seeing even my xps has a 4k display that's touch which is is awesome (laughs) it's like super fun um so you see these windows-based laptops really doing everything and the xps two in one you can flip around to where it is just a tablet and then you have you know just ipads tablets in general iphones are getting or just phones in general are getting massive now they're folding what do you think is gonna go first or lose consumer interest first because as a consumer myself i'm I'm going back to smaller phones, actually. That's the 10R, I think, is really the perfect size. I got really bored really quick with the plus size and like the note, um, but the foldable's interesting. And I tried iPads, but for some reason, I never go back to my tablet, you know? What do you use when you're traveling to like watch a movie? Flying to California. I watch it on my phone. What? <laughs> yeah. Or I'll have my computer and it work. You're one of those. I'm one of the, but okay, so am that, that's I, interesting. you know, like, what do you think is, do you think there's a place for all of this? I think people are expecting their PCs to do more than just be a laptop that you type on. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, so what you do is probably, I'm probably behind the curve actually. So you can, you know, flip your screen around. You can do more right. than just, you know, edit or, or work on a, work on a Word doc. So the expectations of what the machines can do, I think is changing. You know, it's not just uh, a computer. It's, it's how I watch movies. It's how I'm creating content. It's, yeah. it's how I do everything. Some form factor is going to become dominant. And right now, it's still sort of the clamshell laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Microsoft started with the Surface line, like the Surface Pro, something... That was the first aha moment for artists, too. Yeah. Like, oh, interesting. You can do that. Yeah. And you look at back to, like, the iPad. Like, that's the goal to get to that point where... The computer will change itself to suit you. Right. And I think that's what the expectation is becoming. Right. And, that's and I guess having more options is always a good thing. Always a good thing. Right. So you never fold your laptop around. Who cares? At least you can. Yeah. Like, you've got the option to do it. Right. Like, great. Right. I mean, your Dell is, has no bezels on it. Like, that's crazy. They did put that stupid Windows Hello camera on the freaking bottom of oh, it. the up nose camera? Yeah. Ugh. Um, but they're definitely going to fix that in the next iteration because they did with the XPS 13. Um, have you seen that white one? Yeah. It's nice. We took a look at it. It's so yeah, good looking. It's a good looking laptop. Um, and I think that's why I think people are going to start this journey of like realizing there are other things. It's so funny to see pictures. I just saw this picture of one of my friends uh, talked at a college campus and he took a selfie with the kids. Every single kid has a MacBook. I'm like, that's so interesting first of all these people in cut co- like three thousand dollar computer I'm, or they can have the lower macbook it's interesting that just people are still thinking that that's the only option mm-hmm. so i think we're gonna see more of a variety in the future because pc laptops are actually stepping it up but yeah is there any other tech we should talk about I do you have airpods too oh 
Yeah. Okay, let's talk AirPods 2. Yeah. So, okay. So, before I say anything, what's your opinion on AirPods 2? So, they are still in my box. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's one of those weird things. I don't know if you suffer from this, but it's the, everyone's already made a video on it. Yep. And I didn't make the cut, really, of like getting a video out. Same and I'm thing. like, is it worth it to make a video? But AirPods are a huge part of my life. I have, I walk around with two just in case one dies. I always have AirPods in my brain. So you have backup AirPods? Oh, I have backup. And now I have three AirPods with AirPods too. Impressive. Do you love AirPods? I love so AirPods. I love, I love AirPods what mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. I think AirPods 2 is not the most ridiculous sequel that I've, I've ever seen. And I think what Apple did was kind of crappy with them. So those were ready in mid-2018. Remember the box had said AirPower on it? So those were done and print. Those were done and printed. Why the delay? So I think they wanted to wait to ship them with AirPower. So they were held, and then just re- and then figured AirPower was in shipping, and then just released. So Apple had this product that was done, held it for marketing purposes, and then released something that really the only benefit is wireless charging, and they charge more for it. What is the technical difficulty with AirPower? Why was that so? difficult so i'm gonna get extra i'm gonna get extra dirty all right let's talk a little bit of physics yes so wireless charging has coils and the reason it works you put the phone on the coil generates electricity and also generates heat the whole thing that made air power cool wasn't just like hey it's a wireless charger you could put stuff anywhere and it would charge so throw your iphone your apple watch uh your airpods on didn't matter where you don't have to line up with a coil they're trying to put so many coils in such a small space that it it was gonna blow up interesting and so they killed it so now you have a product that was released probably six months later than when it was done. And Apple's going to leave that on the market now for presumably at least a year. Yeah. I wonder why they couldn't have just added maybe a matte black option. See, okay. You know? Like, you like look, look different. I know. I agree. I agree with that. I love AirPods, but I'm kind of mad at AirPods too. Yeah. I mean... But having said that, I did buy them, and I use them, oh, and I do yeah. wirelessly charge them. I shamelessly say that AirPods is the best thing to come from Apple since the iPhone. Hands down. Yeah. Because it's the only product that they've released since iPhone that has radically changed my life. Especially the commuting. Yeah. Subway. You know. I have never seen more been... AirPods than walking around New, New York. York. I was shocked guys it's a lifestyle it really is airpods in new york they're just they're peanut butter and jelly so would you would you try the galaxy buds i'm gonna try them for the first time with yeah because they ship with them which is awesome imagine an iphone being shipped with airpods that's like that would never happen like so the most <laughs> apple move they made an awesome product with airpods yeah but they did it in the phone they took away the headphone jack so they're they were selling you back like a feature for it was 160 bucks. And they yeah, came I've out. never thought about that. That's kind of depressing. They're smart though. They're so smart. smart. And I we're know. all like, hell yeah. I'm we totally happy Apple. to give you money. Yeah. No, but they're great. Um, let's end on a note of maybe inspo. People out there who might want to start something with video. Maybe they do want to start a website. Okay. They want to start a blog. What is your advice to those people? Do you say, no, just make videos? <laughs> so if you want to start a blog learn the industry first. I went in totally blind because I didn't know any better. So learn if you want, if it's a financial for you, learn how online advertising works first. And know what the constraints are and be willing to adhere to certain set of standards. Um, I think it's important if you want to be considered a journalist. To anybody that wants to make video, the best advice I can give is find your own voice. You know, don't 
don't copy anybody else's. Take influence, but find your own voice. Otherwise, if you're just imitating somebody, why would somebody watch you instead of that person? So, you know, take influence from what you're doing or anybody else. And, um, you know, you don't need to spend $10,000 on gear. You can make awesome videos with your phone. You don't have to go buy phones to review them. You can go to an Apple store and check out stuff there. You can go to Best Buy and give your opinions on stuff that you see there. You don't have to mortgage your future or spend every dollar you have to be competitive. And I think most importantly, have fun with it. And if you lose the fun, then do something else. Definitely. And I, I think that's something with uh, with the tech scene that newcomers really have to be creative with is you already have people in the scene who are doing it, who have the following, who are getting these exclusives, they're getting the phones. So by the time, you know, maybe it hits when the door, you know, that you, when the door, when the phone hits your door, when you order it, there's a bajillion videos out there yeah. of it. So I think you really, there's a good opportunity to get creative with it and to do something different. And how how can, you know, you might see it as a crutch, but I think it's a blessing to maybe um, infuse it with some new fun tech stuff, guys. Think something you'd do. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Like yeah. we're making videos, like we're not gonna shoot better B-roll than John Morrison's gonna do. We're not mm-hmm. gonna have a better looking video than Marquez. Like, when we realize that and stop trying, mm-hmm. that's when you start having more fun. Exactly. More and, fun with the videos. And sometimes with, I, I, I always think that creativity, when you actually put it in a box and you have limits, that's when you actually have to be creative and you actually do have to think outside the box. And I think that's when you get stuff that's good and it's surprising and we need more of that. So, John, thank you so much for being here. Thank on. you for having me. This yeah, was a blast. Yeah, and I'll definitely come next time when I come to California. Hopefully, I'll have a driver's license. I can go visit all you guys mm-hmm. down there in whatever that city is. It's beautiful over there. It's I've, nice. I've, Claremont. Claremont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun over there with Austin and Jonathan last time. I need to, I need to renew my driver's license, guys. California is very hard when you don't have a yeah, car. Yeah, big and spread out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, make sure to check out John. In the show notes below, where can people find you if they're too lazy to go down there? Um, you can just you can Google John Rettinger. But otherwise, it's the very uh, unfortunately named YouTube.com slash John Four Lakers. Just J-O-N number four. Love uh, it. And then Lakers because I didn't know that this was going to be a business. <laughs> um, same thing on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. It was fun chatting with you. Thanks and congrats me. on everything. Thank you. Yes.